Welcome to Amplify, the personal brand entrepreneur show. Today on the show, Bob is speaking with Dre Baldwin. Any situation that occurs, anything that happens in my life, I don't care if it's me going and picking up a pizza from the local restaurant, or I'm outside working on my computer and it starts raining on me like it did yesterday, or I am on somebody's podcast like we're doing right now. Anything that occurs in my life, I can find an angle that takes it from the story that actually happened to something that is part of my, the work on your game philosophy and the work on your game system. In other words, everything that happens to me can become content. That's the first thing. The reason that I have my mind set up in that way is so that everything that I do over the course of a day could possibly become an email, it can become an article, it can become part of a keynote that I give, it can be something that I mention on my podcast, it can be an anecdote to support a bigger point. So that's how I'm, one reason I'm able to create so much material is that everything that happens in my life, every single thing could become kind of a log on that fire, so to speak. So I'm not gonna lie, I know nothing about basketball, but I do know when I'm impressed. And this week's guest has been a professional basketball player for nine years, has written 29 books. Now that alone is impressive, but has a YouTube channel with 137 subscribers. Additionally, and this is where I really feel quite ashamed of myself, he has a daily podcast, but not like one of these Mickey Mouse daily podcasts that are five minutes. It's like a proper full-on podcast every single day. This guy has got his game on. Dre Baldwin, welcome to the show. Um, very thrilled to be here, Bob. Thank you for having me. Thank you for that great introduction. Looking forward to this conversation. <laughs> I think when I looked around your stuff, I was really surprised because lots of people write books, lots of people had podcasts, lots of people have YouTube channels, but they don't go in as hard as you've gone in. That's just really, really impressive. And there's so much that I want to pull out of there, especially when I look at the topics of your books. But I guess for the listener who doesn't know you, why don't we start just by you telling us a little bit about who you are, where in the world you are, and the kind of work you do and who you work with. Sure. I come from the city of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, now live in Miami, Florida. My background is as an athlete, played basketball overseas for nine years. While doing that, I started publishing content to this brand new platform called YouTube. And that's actually where I really the bulk of people started to know me initially was through YouTube. And even basketball players, more of them know me from YouTube than know me from actually playing overseas. And while I was publishing that content and started to build an audience of mostly basketball players, those players started asking me about mindset because they just heard about my background and how I you know, struggled to even make my high school team and had to walk on in college, meaning I didn't have a scholarship because I wasn't a highly ranked player coming out of high school. And even then, after college, I had to really hustle in order to get into professional basketball. I really had to sell myself because the level that I played at in college wasn't a super high level. So when I started talking about mindset, the interesting thing happened, Bob, is that I started to draw an audience of people who were not athletes on my videos because they said, well, Dre, I know you're making these videos for athletes, but the way that you break down and talk about mindset, it can apply to anyone and anyone can learn from it. So that planted a seed in my mind, Bob, that I could take this aspect of what I was doing and I could apply it to anyone even outside of my experience as an athlete. So when I stopped playing basketball in 2015, I already knew what I was going to be doing. I was going to take the mindset tools that 
worked for me as an athlete and I could teach those to anyone, even if they had never picked up a ball in their lives. And I understand you're not a, a big sports guy, so it's perfect. So that's where the whole work on your game philosophy came from, just taking the mental tools that you need to succeed in sports and teaching people who didn't play sports how to apply them. And in the process, and I'm sure we'll talk about this, I started writing books, you know, doing public speaking, doing TED Talks, creating courses, you know, coaching people, etc. And that is the, the foundation of the entire work on your game brand framework philosophy and business, which I now run full time as an entrepreneur. Again, like I said, I stopped playing ball six years ago. So that's where it all came from. And what I do now is mostly work with I work with professionals basically from all industries. So my philosophy and my brand is somebody called it agnostic. It is uh, industry agnostic. I like that because it doesn't matter where you come from or what kind of work you do. The type of stuff that I teach and talk about can apply to anyone because I know how to break it down and explain it. I think one of the things that caught my attention was the kind of content you're creating. It's around discipline. It's around confidence. It's around mental toughness. And mm -hmm. these are success traits that I see universally. Anyone super successful, they have these in abundance. And from what you're describing in terms of your own career in sport, you didn't start this way. And I'm curious to know from you, sort of when was it that the work began? What did that look like? The work for which part of it? Well, there's ordinary Dre, sort of before college, maybe the before pro athlete Dre. Mm -hmm. And then there's the pro athlete Dre. Something changed in terms of your mindset. And do you remember mm -hmm. when that began and how either natural that was or how much you had to work on it? Oh, absolutely. And it was actually something kind of in between those two things. It wasn't exactly natural, but it wasn't manufactured and is not even something that I had to work on. It's really something that I had to uncover. So there were two specific incidences, incidences, incidents that occurred. So when I was in college, there was a coach who had recruited me to come to the school that I ended up graduating from. He recruited me to play basketball, but he got fired and was replaced after my sophomore year. So I still had two mores of college basketball, but now a new coach was in and this coach had not recruited me. So there was no connection between me and this new guy. Now I was skilled enough, talented enough to still earn a spot on the new coach's roster. But the thing is the new coach and the old coach kind of didn't like each other. So the new coach didn't really want any of the previous coaches players in his regime. And this happens all the time in college sports, by the way, for people who don't know when a new coach comes in, that new coach kind of wants to clean house. The same thing that happens in corporations. A new CEO comes in. A lot of the people who were working for the old CEO lose their job, not because they can't do the job, but because the new person wants to bring in their own people. So this happens in sports. So I became a casualty of the change in regime. So my last year and a half of college, I wasn't even on the basketball team, even though I was not injured. I was not, there was nothing wrong with my academics. I just wasn't on the team simply because I wasn't part of the new coach's plan. So in my mind, I knew that I was I would watch the games. I still had friends who were on the basketball team. So I would still go to all the games and watch them play. And I still played basketball all the time, just not on the team. And I would have I had a story in my mind that, listen, I'm better than these players who are on the basketball team. But the problem is because I've always tried to look at things as objectively as a human can be. We all have our own biases, but I try to be objective even with myself, Bob. 
And I said to myself, you know, even though I believe I'm better than the players on the basketball team, if I wasn't me, what would I say to myself? And I would say, well, look, you can think whatever you want, but right now you're in college and there's a basketball team on this campus and you're not on it. So for you to sit there and say you're better than other people, well, you can't prove it. You you need some proof. Talking about it is one thing, but proving it's another. So I knew for posterity's sake, the only way that I'd be able to prove that I was better than these players who were still on the team at this point was I need to go to the next level and next level was to play pro. So that was part of my motivation, part of my drive to make it as a professional athlete, despite the fact that, again, it's not like I had a bunch of offers I had to choose amongst when I got out of college. I had to go create those opportunities. And the second thing that happened that really created that drive for me, Bob, was when I got home from college, I graduated, came back home to Philadelphia, and um, I'm at home home with my parents. And my parents asked me, well, okay, son, you have a college degree now. What do you want to do? And I told them I wanted to play pro basketball. And they don't know. My parents aren't athletes. They don't know a lot about the pro basketball world, especially overseas, which in which there's not a ton of official information even to this day. Most of the information about how to play overseas was created, in fact, by me over the last you know, 10 years, as a matter of fact. So imagine how much information there was when I was trying to play. So my parents, they just start asking me some logical, reasonable questions that anyone would ask another person when they say they're getting into a certain industry, such as, do you have a plan? Do you have any idea how you're going to do it? Do you have any offers? Do you have, you know, is there any structure to how you're actually going to make this happen? And I didn't have answers to any of those questions. So my parents, or my mom mostly was doing most of the talking. I talked about this in one of my books. And she was basically saying, well, look, if you don't have any kind of plan to do it, you still need to figure out what you're going to do as an adult here. Maybe go get yourself a job. You have a college degree, get a job somewhere so you can make some money. You can you know, get yourself an apartment, a place to live, get yourself a car, you know, start living like an adult. I understand you want to play basketball, but if you don't have any plan for that, then you can't just sit around and wait on that. And she was absolutely right. And it's not like she was she had anything negative towards my idea of basketball. She was just trying to help me get established as an adult out in the world. And clearly there was no plan for me to do it with basketball. So I was, when I, when that conversation happened, I, re, I wasn't even mad at my parents so much, but that, that I was mad at the circumstance. I was mad at the situation. So those two things between what happened with my college coach, again, I wasn't even mad at my college coach. I was mad at the circumstance that I had found myself in and I needed to prove a point. And again, the situation with my parents, it was the circumstance I needed to prove a point. And it wasn't to a certain person, but it was just to myself and kind of to the world. I, I, like I said, I crafted this story in my mind that I don't think anybody else really cared that much about it. But I told myself the story that that was what everybody else was thinking. And I used that with my the power of my imagination to push myself to go make it happen. So, yes, I had talent. I had ability. I could jump high, run and shoot jump shots and dribble the basketball and all of that. But there are a lot of people who had those same physical abilities who didn't make it as pro athletes. And the reason is they were very much concerned with how am I going to do it? And Bob, as I just said, when it comes to playing overseas basketball, the how is very murky. There's not a lot of clear information on exactly how to do it, even to this day, except for what I've created. But I was asking myself two much more important questions when it comes to creating success in life, which is what do you want? And I had a very clear outcome. And why do you want it? That was the drive that was pushing me to go do it. And I just gave you two, the two stories that I always tell people are the real reason that I became a pro athlete. So if you ask yourself the what and the why, instead of asking yourself how, because when you ask yourself how, you, you're trying to think logically. But when you ask yourself what and why, you're thinking more on the emotional level. And we all know that people make decisions and are driven more by their emotions than they are by logic. 
Logic is a secondary thing that we use to justify our emotional decisions. And many people get themselves stuck trying to figure out how. So to answer your question here, was there something that happened? Yes, those two things happened. They activated more of the emotional drive, passion side of things. And through using that energy, I was able to figure out the logical how strategic side of things. So that all makes perfect sense. And it really brings me on to my next question, which is you are a super productive person. You've 29 books four TEDx talks, the daily podcast, the YouTube channel, you're doing a lot of stuff. And what, what I wonder is when you look around yourself, and I see this a lot of people when they start their own business, for example, they wonder why doesn't everybody do this? When you look around at people, what do you think about other people's productivity, other people's mindset? Why do you think everybody doesn't do this? Because it clearly works. Hmm, it's an interesting question. I don't really think about that <laughs> that often. But when someone, let's just say someone comes and asks me about it, let's say they are trying to be more productive or they want to get more of their ideas and more of their content out there, but they're not doing it. And I really get a chance to take a look at what they are doing. Often, one of the challenges is that they're asking themselves a lot of the wrong questions. And I was just actually talking about this on on my Instagram yesterday is that a lot of times people ask themselves the wrong questions, then they get the answers, they get the right answers to the wrong questions, and it doesn't lead them to where they want to go. So a lot of times it's just the insight is incorrect. What are you actually trying to achieve here? And you know, someone in one of my, my mastermind programs was asking about this in this past week. They're you know, coming up with these solutions or what they think are solutions to the wrong problem, and I'm trying to help trying to help uh, reset their mindset and help them understand, like, listen, no, you're asking a question is like 10 questions down the road. We need to answer question number one first before we answer question number 17 to help them understand that we got to go one step at a time here. So that's one of the challenges when it comes to that. Another one when it comes to productivity specifically is sometimes people just don't have enough to say, or at least they don't know that they have enough to say is the better way of saying it. It's not even that they don't think they have it. They have it, but they haven't organized it well enough, or they haven't created a system that allows them to organize it well enough so that they can continually put out material. So I publish to all of the social platforms, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, uh, podcasts, and I even send out articles by email damn near every single day with the emails on all those other platforms every single day. And the reason that I'm able to do that is not because I'm necessarily smarter than so many other people, but it's because I've figured out a way to organize disseminating my intellectual property and my knowledge and my ideas in such a way that I can do it in a duplicatable way that I can do it every single day. And I can even teach someone else to manage it for me. I still have to come up with the material, but I can show someone else. All right, here's how we put this out. Here's how we organize this. Here's how we schedule it. And a lot of times people just don't have the organization around what they're doing. They have plenty of knowledge because I know people who are, I would even say, might be more of an expert at what they do than I am an expert at what I do. And that's a, a compliment to them because I feel like I'm, I know my thing pretty well. The difference between me and them is that they don't have the organization around it. They don't have the system. They don't have the structure. They haven't created a process that allows them to do it over and over and over again. And this is something, Bob, that I've always thought about, even going back to my basketball days when I was 15, 16 years old, just trying to get good and make my high school team. 
was I always ask myself, what can I do every single day to make myself better? Because I understood that if I just go to the park and practice hard for four hours one day, that's not all of a sudden going to turn me into Michael Jordan or Stephen Curry. But if I can go to the park and practice every single day for a certain amount of time, then cumulatively that time and that investment will add up. So I always try to ask myself anything that I do, what's something that I can do over and over and over again over an extended period of time, not just something that I can do one time. And again, this is all about asking yourself better quality questions. And I think a lot of people who are trying to be productive, they just don't ask themselves these type of questions. It doesn't even occur to them. So then when they're coming up short by their estimation of on productivity, it's not because they can't be productive. It's not because they're lazy. It's not because anything's wrong with them. It's just because they're not asking themselves the right questions. Therefore, they're not activating the materials that they do have access to that would help them get the results that they want. So it oftentimes is a poor strategy or a lack of strategy many times. So let's talk about strategy a little bit because, like I said, and I don't want to overdo it, you're super productive, and that needs systems. So just mm -hmm. super high level, what does your sort of content system look like? Well, when it comes to, I would say it all starts with from the, the foundation of it is me having my framework in place. I know exactly what my my approach is when it comes to how I talk about things. In other words, any situation that occurs, anything that happens in my life, I don't care if it's me going and picking up a, a pizza from the local a local restaurant or I'm outside working on my computer and it starts raining on me like it did yesterday or I am on somebody's podcast like we're doing right now. Anything that occurs in my life, I can find an angle that takes it from the story that actually happened to something that is part of my the work on your game philosophy and the work on your game system. In other words, everything that happens to me can become content. That's the first thing. And the, the, way that, the reason that I have my mind set up in that way is so that everything that I do over the course of a day could possibly become an email, it can become an article, it can become part of a keynote that I give, it can be uh, something that I mention on my podcast, it can be an anecdote to support a bigger point. So that's how I'm, one reason I'm able to create so much material is that everything that happens in my life, every single thing could become uh, kind of a log on that fire, so to speak. The second thing is when it comes to the system, just to answer your, your question here on a more technical side, is... I have my assistant understand exactly how I want things to work and I know how it works and I can, that's how I can show other people how it works. So my podcast, for example, is a daily show. It's just me talking. I don't have guests on my show. Whenever I get an idea of something that I can, I can expound on and talk about for, let's say, 15 to 30 minutes, I just write it down in Google Docs. I don't flesh the whole thing out. I don't write out a whole transcript. I just write down the big idea, what the big idea is. For example, one recent topic was mental toughness versus mental health. I'll just write that down. Then at some point, I'll sit down and I'll flesh out all the topics that I have written down. And that's how I know what my material is going to be for when it's time for me to record my show. Those episodes, when I record, they become obviously the audio episodes of the podcast. I record those on video also. They go up on YouTube. I put out two YouTube videos a day. So then I take something like a live stream I might have recorded or just a regular video I record. 
Sometimes when I'm in my car, I'll record a video while I'm driving, not with my hands, but I'll have a little holster <laughs> that I can set a, a camera up with. <laughs> and sometimes I go out on my balcony where I live here and I'll set up the camera and I'll just record while I'm standing there and record there because it's a nice view. And people always comment on the view like, hey, you always record on the balcony. So that's another way that I record to keep the videos coming. And then from that material, this is something that I do that I don't think a lot of creators do. Actually, maybe they have someone do it for them. I listen to my own podcast. So when my episodes come out and my audience is listening to them, I go back and listen to my own episodes so I can remember what I said, number one. And number two, because sometimes I'll say things in an episode of a show that I wasn't planning on saying. And some point that I made in episode number 15, that might become the entire episode, episode number 25. So I might say something like, damn, that was a good point. I need to make a whole episode just on that one point there that I just said off the cuff. So that's how I get more material. And then I'll go grab quotes from things that I say or maybe something that's related to something I say. And that can become a status update on LinkedIn, Facebook and Twitter. And then I'll throw an image that goes with it because I have plenty of photos that go with that. So there's a whole system behind what I'm doing that allows it to that allows me to continually publish over and over again. But it's not like I need to get on each one of these platforms every day. These days we have software that does this stuff for you. So you can use one platform that can schedule your Instagram, your Facebook, your Twitter, and your LinkedIn all in one. I have my audio person who does my audio editing. They do everything for the podcast. All I do is record the episode, upload it to Google Drive. They take everything from there because they know exactly how things work and exactly what I want. And if I want to change something, I send them a message in Slack. They make the changes and it's all done. So it's not like I have to be an octopus with eight arms doing all these things. It's just a system that is set up. But at the same time, I have to have the material in order to you know, continually feed the system. That's a challenge that people have. And the main challenge that people have with that is, number one, they don't have the system in place. They don't have the, the mental organization to do it. And they haven't created a clear enough framework for what they're doing so that it's easy for them to come up with angles for what they're talking about. Me, I can come up with angles very easily simply because I know what my angles are. Anything that happens, like I said, I can figure out a way to uh, bring it back to what I talk about. See, I didn't appreciate the importance of a framework until about a year ago. That once you have a framework, you, you have stories to tell all the time. You always have a place to go. It's really, right. really useful. And I would encourage, I really would struggle to think of any business where a framework isn't going to support you, isn't going to give you a competitive advantage, isn't going to help you actually explain your value to other people. For the listener, I wouldn't be doing my job properly if I didn't ask you how, how much time you spend on an average day in content land. In creating content? Yeah. Hmm. On an average day creating content, I'd say maybe, maybe an hour. Let's just say every episode of my show is, let's say, 20 to 30 minutes. So let's just take out 30 minutes for recording an episode of my show. Then maybe grabbing some quotes for from an episode or something that I said, and those will go into a doc that will eventually end up on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter as status updates. Then maybe a post that I'll put on Instagram and that's pretty maybe let's say i'll record a youtube video maybe i'll go drive to the store i'll bring my camera and i'll record a video that goes on youtube that'll take me 10 minutes but i'm actually doing that while i'm driving so it's not like i'm taking time out specifically for it but the thing is bob i batch all of these things and i think that's an important thing for people to know if we're talking productivity for content 
I batch this kind of work. So I don't have to actually turn on the microphone and record an episode of my podcast every single day of the year. I might record 10 episodes in one day. Now, people only know that because I tell you, you wouldn't know it if you listen to the show, but I might record yeah. 10 episodes in one day and that's it. And I'll try to record. I always try to record more than I need. So knowing that my show is every day, every week, I try to record at least eight episodes, right? Because it's seven days in a week. So over the course of every month, I'm always kind of sandbagging a few extra episodes. So I'm always weeks and weeks ahead of my recording schedule. I mean, publishing schedule, rather. So if I want to go on vacation or if I was to get sick, God forbid, or something like that, I have a, a little bit of buffer space there in place. And when it comes to like the quotes and I send out a daily motivation text to people in my text community for free every morning. I just write all those down in a Google Doc and then I just schedule them all out at once. So I have those texts scheduled through the rest of this month or and then through the next month I already have them scheduled. So it's not like every day I have to think about what do I need to do for this. Some days I might not create any content, but I'm publishing content. If you understand what I'm saying, because I already have it set up in place. Yeah. That, that makes perfect sense. And, but I, I think it was an important place to go because I meet so many people who tell me, oh, I need, seriously, I don't have time for one Instagram post a week or one YouTube video a week. Right. And it's important to get that contrast and it's important to get that context. I do want to look at why you do this. Not right now, but I want to come to that in a little bit. What I want mm -hmm. to speak about next is people don't create content for lots of different reasons. And a big reason for a lot of people is they're really worried about how other people are going to react to it. And I'm curious to know how that was for you, particularly in the beginning. I think we quickly forget how hard it often was in the beginning. How was that for you? You know, I never really thought about that, honestly. When I first started creating content, Bob, before YouTube, actually, I was blogging because I've always been a writer, always been a reader and a writer. So I was blogging first. May of 2005 was when I first started my blog and I put a video on YouTube later on that year because that's when YouTube initially came out. And when I first put videos up, it was just me on a basketball court playing basketball. I wasn't even speaking. People could barely even tell what my face looked like because it was just me on the court actually doing basketball practicing by myself. And the first responses that I got from that, because I didn't really get a lot of traction from blogging. It's not like I had this big audience or anything. But the audience really started with the videos. And it was just be basketball players who were interested in me because they saw that I looked like a half competent basketball player. Because at this point, I'm already playing pro. So they could tell that I could play, but they didn't know who I was. But at the same time, no one had ever put video on the Internet showing basketball players how to get better at basketball. So this was a brand new phenomenon that I was doing. So these players were just curious. They were just asking, hey, can you make a video about this? Can you make a video about dribbling, about shooting, about dunking, about just different aspects of practicing basketball? So they were really looking at me as a, a teacher. I was like an educator, like an online coach to them. And this is 2005, mind you, before this was a normal thing to do. So they were really just hoping that whoever this random guy is here on YouTube, maybe he can make more videos because I can use what he's doing to help myself know how to practice. So that's where it started. It wasn't like people were just coming on there to, there weren't like internet trolls, at least not that much. Back then, it was not people just leaving their random comments for no reason. It was only basketball players who want to learn how to play basketball so I was fulfilling a need and as soon as I realized that Bob that's when I put the foot on the gas and said man I could just take everything that I know about basketball and just make videos about them because I can serve this audience and again this was you couldn't really make money from putting videos on YouTube until maybe 2009 2010 
So I, when I started putting the videos out, the only reason I was doing it is because, number one, I saw it was an opportunity for me to serve an underserved audience. That's more of a kind of like a charitable way of looking at it. But also because I said, all right, these people are paying attention to me. It kind of makes me significant in a way. And I didn't know what that was worth. I didn't really foresee that it was going to be any money to be made from it. But I said, let me just keep doing this. More people will know my name. What's the harm in that? No, I'm already playing basketball. What's the harm in people knowing my name? I'm trying to play pro. I'm trying to keep getting contracts. There's nothing I can lose by somebody knowing my name. I'm not trying to be anonymous. So let me just keep doing it. And then when the opportunity to make money came around four or five years later, I already had an established. It wasn't a crazy audience, but I had a little bit of an audience and I had a content base in place. And then when the opportunity to make money from it, let's say from ad revenue, and then I started creating my own products and programs. I'd start doing it every day at that point. I didn't do it every day till around 2009. But before that, I was doing it sporadically. But I already had a, a fervent audience of people because they're like this random dude who we never heard of. They knew my name by that point, but they didn't know me from anywhere else. He is showing people how to play basketball. And one person told another person and a lot of it spread by word of mouth. So that's how I got started with it. I don't even remember what your question was. <laughs> well, my question was really about negative reactions or or even yeah. sort of people not understanding what you're doing. What's this weird stuff you're doing on Landry? We thought you were a basketball mm -hmm. player. Because I, I hear a lot of people, are, when they're thinking about getting into content, actually worrying about sometimes what the piece of people closest to them will think about it. Okay, so let me answer that one. When I, was, when I first started putting the content on the internet, yeah, some people close to me, they people clearly knew that I was doing it. They could see that I was doing it, but it wasn't really a thing to be putting content on the internet. So it was kind of looked at as like this little uh, person living in the basement type of hobby. It wasn't a business. And so nobody really cared at that time. So people saw that you were doing it, but everybody knew like, what, what's your real job? You know, what do you really do? It's not this because again, there was no money to be made on the internet at that time. We're not using phrases like content, social media, branding, personal branding, influencer. Those phrases didn't even exist in the in the lingo at that time. So this was kind of like a little side thing that somebody does for fun. Like some people garden, some people coach youth sports, and some people make videos on the internet. That was It was yeah. just a side thing that people did. It was not a thing. So if anyone did have an opinion on this little thing that I was doing, nobody told me about it. So I didn't know what anybody's opinion was. So by the time the money option came around, and this was the kind of the advantage for me was that already had a foundation and an established audience. Again, it wasn't a crazy sized audience, but I had an established audience. So when the opportunity to make money came in, I wasn't just this you no know, carpetbagger coming in just because I saw the dollar signs. I was already doing it. So yeah. it made it easy for me to go straight into it. So then looking at the business side of it now, every business is a value exchange. You have something people need and there are people out there that need it and your content really crosses the bridge. It connects you. But how do you deliver value to that audience outside of your content, commercially speaking? What do you mean? I mean in terms mean of like products a, and services. Charge for? Yeah. yeah. How, how do you help your customers? Sure. So when it comes to paid material, I just have a, a ladder of material. You can start with books. I have 29 books. And generally speaking, a book is a pretty low ticket item. You know, a book will cost you anywhere from free to, what, 30 bucks. So anybody can get into my world by just getting one of my books. And I have books on a lot of different topics of mindset, people skills, professional basketball, discipline, mental toughness, things like that. 
And then I can bundle those books together. So you can come into you know, one of my web pages to get one book for free, but you might leave with 10 books in one order simply because we bundle them together and I give you a great deal. I give you a better deal than anybody else can give you, even Amazon. So that's the starting point of where people can get in. And I used to, let's say five plus years ago, I would sell courses. I had a, I still have a lot of courses that I would sell, but I really got away from selling digital courses individually so much because I found my audience wasn't really connecting to the courses as much as they were connecting to my book. So I put all the courses into one offering. So you can still get all my courses, but I bundled them into one offer. So you can make one payment or you can make a series of payments to break it down and get access to every course I've ever made in one place. But I'm not going to sell the courses individually anymore. It's just not my thing. And then I have group coaching programs. I have one-on-one -on -one coaching programs outside of the direct-to-consumer stuff. I do professional speaking and consulting for businesses. And I'm putting together some other like, higher-level coaching programs that will be invitation only. And then outside of all of that, really looking at a way and working with some people right now to create some some software where I can take my intellectual property and put it into something that people will use over and over again with or without my personal involvement, but something that people will continue to pay for. Just like, you know, like let's say something like Zoom or uh, WordPress or ClickFunnels, something like that. I'm not a developer though, so I'm gonna need some help with that. But my business partner is working on the developing side. I'm working on the IP side, but that's something that's kind of further down the road. Yeah. It's very easy to focus on the competence side of things because you're doing a lot of things right and you're very skilled around, around a lot of areas. But I'm curious to know, reflectively, which parts of your business do you feel you struggle with? Which parts are you not comfortable with? Hmm, that's a really good question. What parts do I struggle with? I think one of the parts that I struggle with at first, let's say um, pre-2000 and let's say 13, up to about 2013, I paid a lot of attention to, because mind you, I'm playing professional basketball this time. I'm traveling the world playing basketball. So I didn't really care what happened with this internet stuff. I cared enough that I kept doing it, but I didn't really care you know, if it was going to make a lot of money, if it was making no money. I didn't really care. I was making money, but it didn't matter because I was playing basketball. So I wasn't really focused on making sure that there was a return on investment for everything that I was putting out. And I also didn't even know about you know, building an email list. I didn't find out about building an email list around maybe 2013. So I'm sure I left a lot of emails, left a lot of emails on the table, so to speak, because I didn't know about that. Even when I put my first book out for free, I just let people go download it, didn't even ask them for an email in exchange. So something like that. I just didn't understand the business concepts, just the mindsets around making sure if you're going to give people something, ask them for something in exchange. I didn't get that until... I guess it was later in my process, but it was probably earlier than a lot of other people. But nowadays I understand all those things. So I help business people and help them understand it to make sure that you know, they can you know, build some equity and build the, make sure they're maintaining the equity and building the equity in their business when they're putting things out there to their community, even if they're putting something out for free. So I would say that is just not understanding the structure of how, especially online business works and how you can make sure you're, creating a return on investment for yourself every time that you're giving something to the audience and also understanding mentally that your consumers are willing to give you something as long as you're giving them something of value. I didn't know that, but now I know it. And now I help other people not make that same mistake, at least not for as long as I did. No, that's a really good answer. And honestly, you have nothing to be ashamed about in the list building side of things, because honestly, that's probably the most 
common thing I hear from some really big names online is I wish I'd started building my email list a lot earlier. It's something people so yeah, often exactly. overlook. And anyone listening, <laughs> it doesn't matter how small you start, but start because it will feed you forever if you start. Mm, that's right. What's the biggest thing going on in your world right now? What is it that you're working on? What are you, what are you building? Biggest thing I'm building right now is a actually three things. Number one, on the a basic level, a new automation funnel, which is uh, emails that I send out and a lot of articles. I do a ton of writing, so I send out articles either every other day or damn near every day, depending on where you are in my automation system. So I'm working on another one right now. This one's going to be probably about uh, two to three years long worth of emails that I'm sending out between offers oh and articles. <laughs> so that's, uh, yeah, so it's a pretty long one, but I'm almost done. Actually, today I'm going to finish... I'm not going to finish the whole thing. I'm going to finish putting in some past articles that I've already written that I need to add in. Then I have a new batch that I need to add into that one. So this, this automation funnel is going to be uh, over 600 days long at least. I haven't finished adding everything, so it'll probably go maybe in the 700 days. So that's the number one thing that I'm working on that I need to finish today. Cause I've been working on that for the last like three weeks. The second thing is I'm putting together a, a higher-level coaching program. So I have group coaching. I have one-on-one -on -one coaching, but I'm offering a – a higher level program is going to be invitation only, and this is going to be super high ticket. I'm working on finishing up that offer and just how I'm going to lay that whole thing out because that one I'm only offering to certain people who are already working with me one-on-one. -on -one. And the third thing is, and this one is not in completely in my control because I'm working with other people on it, that, that software thing that I just mentioned there, I'm working with some other people on that on the development side. And putting all of that together, just taking my IP and really putting it into something that people can use over and over again, figuring out exactly who we want to target with it. And that's a longer, much longer term project that is in its very, very early stages. So those are the three biggest things I'm working on right now. So I'm going to come right back to what I said at the beginning. You are mm -hmm. prolific. And that's a word I don't use often because content creators create content. That's what they do. They're supposed to be modestly prolific. You are right. terrifically prolific. And Thank you. I would be interested to know what you would say to anybody that's listening who's trying to find the motivation to just be modestly pro prolific. What is it that's different in your mindset when you wake up in the morning? What do you say to yourself? What, what's, what's your internal conversation about why you're going to do these things that other people won't do? That's a great question. So, Bob, I'll tell people, I'll give people the simple understanding that there are three strategic ways to draw people into your world and only three. And I'll tell you what you I'll tell you what these three are in terms of how quickly they can turn around and produce a result for you from fastest to slowest. The fastest way is advertising. You put a dollar in and you get some people to come to your website. You pay Facebook, you pay YouTube, you pay Bing, you pay Instagram, whoever, and they bring people in. The, the good part about advertising is that you can get as many people as you want to come wherever you want them to go to as long as you're willing to spend enough money to do it. All right, that's advertising. The second way is collaboration. Collaboration, you can look at what we're doing right now is collaboration because there are people listening to this show who have never heard of Dre Baldwin and maybe never would have heard of me had I not appeared on Bob's show. So in collaboration, you go connect with someone else who has an audience that is probably different from yours in many ways. 
and you get in front of that audience. And if you offer something useful that catches somebody's ear, hopefully some people in that audience now also add you as someone that they pay attention to because it doesn't take away from Bob for someone in Bob's audience to also be in Dre's audience. You can be in as many audiences as you want as a consumer. So the second way is collaboration. It's not as fast as advertising, but it is effective. It takes a little bit more work, a little bit more time, a different set of skills, but it doesn't cost you money most of the time. The third way is content. Content is material that you just create yourself. You don't have to collaborate with anyone. You don't even have to talk to anybody. You don't have to pay anybody. It's you putting out your own material on your own platforms, or even if it's on Facebook or YouTube or your own website, however you want to do it, you put that material out and hopefully that material is useful enough that it draws some people into your world. Now, the challenge with the good thing about content is that it's completely free and you don't have to have any people skills to create content. You don't have to talk to a single human being ever. The challenge is it's more of a long play. All right. It's the long game when you're creating content. Content is kind of like running a marathon. So creating some content today does not necessarily mean you're going to make a whole bunch of money tomorrow just because you put some content out. So this is the long game that you play. And a lot of business people or people who want to be business people who are creating content, one of the biggest challenges that I hear from people often, and Bob, maybe you hear this yourself, is people say, well, I put these posts up on Instagram, but I only got this many likes. Or I put these videos up and only got this many views. Or I've been writing articles, but I'm not getting a lot of hits to my website. And I'm like, well, how many posts did you put on Instagram? Well, I put up three last week. I'm like, well, what are you thinking is going to happen here? Like, this is like creating content is like planting a tree. Now, you is not going to is not going to become an oak tree tomorrow and have a whole bunch of squirrels in it and birds nesting in it just because you planted the seeds two weeks ago. You got to give it some time and you have to keep doing it continuously in order to let it build up. So what I suggest to people is you have a, a mix of doing all three of these run ads, collaborate with people and create content, understanding and having the right expectations around how long it's going to take for each one of these to turn over, so to speak, and produce results. So to answer your question, long answer to a short question here, Bob, is that my mentality when it comes to content is knowing that content that I create today is not necessarily going to turn into dollars tomorrow, next month, or maybe even next year. But you're planting seeds in the minds of your audience. You are nurturing your relationship with that audience. That's what marketing is about, is about the relationship that you are building and nurturing with your audience. It does not necessarily mean that they're buying anything because there are people in my audience who have followed me for years before they bought something. But once they get in, it's your job to keep them in. So that's my mentality around creating every day. That's a really, really good answer. And I think moving on actually... I'm looking at the description for your new book, The Third Day, and I, I'm willing to bet you go a lot deeper on almost almost the same question in that book. So maybe tell me a little bit about oh, The Third course. Day. Sure. So The Third Day is one of my, it's actually my most popular framework. I mean, let's just say that work on your game is the overall framework, but The Third Day is the most popular one within that framework. And it's all about your willingness and the decision that you make to show up and deliver every single day, even when you don't always feel like showing up and delivering. This is something that is really important in the professional sports world where you can't pretend to be working hard. You can pretend to be working hard at an office job, but you can't pretend in sports because every time you're at work, everybody in the world is watching you. So if you're not delivering, everybody knows about it and they might be talking about it the next day on TV. So the third day is all about 
yes, it's a situation. It's a circumstance. Like the first day you show up to the gym, you might feel great about it because you chose to join the gym. You got new workout clothes, a new personal trainer, and the workout kicks your butt because you're not in shape yet. But you're like, hey, I'm doing this. The second day, you got a little bit of fatigue from the first day. And the workout's a little bit harder because you had a fatigue on your body from day one and that same workout that you're not in shape for yet. But you look at yourself in the mirror when it's over and you say, hey, I'm still doing this. Just a little bit less enthusiasm, but you're still doing it. By the third day already, you're questioning your decision making process. By the third day, <laughs> your your body and mind right, are having a, a difference of opinion. By the third day, this is the, one of those days where you might grab your phone and text your trainer and say, hey, just charge me for the session, but I'm not coming. The third day is that moment when you realize that this thing that you signed up for is not all fun and games. It's not going to be one big party. It's not as easy as it looked from the outside when you signed up. And there's some real work that you're going to have to do to make it happen. So the third day is not just the moment that you realize this, but it's the decision. It's more importantly, the decision that you make. How are you going to show up knowing that now you realize this is some serious work? And this is what separates the pros from the amateurs, because what makes a professional a professional is not their potential. It is not what they do at their peak. It is not what they're capable of. What makes someone a professional is what they do every single time consistently. That's what professionals get paid for is their consistency and their dependability, their reliability, not their potential. Now, a lot of people have that incorrect that professionals get paid because they're so good. Yes, they are good. But every a lot of people are good who don't become pros or don't stay pros. What pros get paid for is the fact that you know exactly what you want to get from them every single time. So that's what the third day is about. And I think that's true in sport and in business. The highest paid professionals are the people who consistently get results. That's why we pay them. That's right. So, yeah, I'm going to go and get that book. Where can I get it, Dre? Where can I go and get the book? What's the best place for you? You can get the book for free. All you had to do is cover the shipping if you go to thirddaybook.com. Now, Bob, I understand you are located outside of USA. So, of course, to ship a book outside, outside of USA, we all know it costs more money. So you can get the we have a bonus bundle at thirddaybook.com. Books free still. You would just cover the shipping. Now, the bonus bundle will give you not only the physical book. I'll still send it to you. You'll also get the digital book and the audio book. So you can actually start reading and or listening to the book right now while you wait for, you know, as long as it's going to take for us to get this book shipped and over to you wherever you happen to be if you're outside of the USA. But if you're in the USA, of course, you can just get the paperback. And if you're overseas, you can just get the paperback, too, just with the understanding that you know how long it takes to ship stuff from the USA to where you are. So thirddaybook.com, we have options for everybody. We have the digital, we have the physical, we have the audio at thirddaybook.com. The book's free. All you're going to do is cover the shipping. And the truth is, at the moment, after Brexit, it's probably quicker to get stuff from the U.S. than it is from anywhere in Europe. <laughs> oh, perfect. Yeah, there you go. The, the postal system here has gone crazy. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it shouldn't take more than, I would expect, maybe two or three weeks. Oh, I won't take that long. Something like that. No, no, definitely Okay, not. even better. It's really, from the great. U.S. is really quick. So, Dre, you have been great fun. I've really enjoyed myself and learned a lot. If people want to connect with you, where can they find you online? What's your favorite social media platform? My favorite is Instagram. That's the one that I use the most simply because I'm on Instagram stories. I use Instagram stories all day, every day. So Instagram is my just my name, Dre Baldwin. You can DM me there. You can uh, message me there. You can follow me there, of course. And I don't think my my daily motivation text, which I send every day, I don't think you can get it if you're not if you don't have a U.S. based number. So if you are in the USA, anybody who's listening, you just text me. My text number is 305-384-6894. That's a U.S. number. You can get my daily motivation text straight to your phone every day. 
And if you give me that number in an email, I will include it in the show notes. Okay, perfect. So Dre, I need to ask you the one question that I ask everyone at the end of the show. And it's what's one thing you do now that you wish you'd started five years ago? Man, well, I already gave you the... I already gave you the build the list thing, so I'll do yeah, something you can't different. Have one thing that I do now, yeah, one thing I do now that I wish I did five years ago, I wish I had done more of that collaboration, like I talked about, more of what we're doing right now. Reaching out to people like you and talking to people who have audiences that are related to what I'm talking about, but not exactly the same as what I'm talking about, because there are people listening to this show right now who are like, man, I'm so, they're going to be thanking you, Bob, for bringing me to their attention, but had I not reached out to you, had you and I not connected, they might have lived the next 10 years of their lives and never knew that I existed. So I'm really glad that platforms like this, like podcasting, have taken off to where people like you are looking for people like me to bring value to your audience because this is the way that we can kind of cross-pollinate, so to speak, and we can all get our messages out to people that otherwise never would have found us on their own volition. So this is something that I wish I was doing a long time ago. Audrey, I'm really glad you made the time for me. It's been great to meet you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Absolutely, Bob. I appreciate you for sharing your platform. This has been a great conversation. Before I go, just a quick reminder to subscribe and join our Facebook group. You'll find a link in the show notes or visit amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders. Also connect with me wherever you hang out. You'll find me on all the social platforms at Bob Gentle. If you enjoyed the show, then I would love a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It would make my day. And if you shared the show with a friend, you would literally make my golden list. My name's Bob Gentle. Thanks to you for listening, and I'll see you next week. Thank you.